Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you always want to be the best you can be? The Frankie Boyer Show. What is this? It's more than a lifestyle show. It's a show about living in today's world. I think something is happening. Frankie enthusiastically brings an amazing eclectic mix to the airwaves. You got that right. One of the reasons she's earned legions of loyal fans is very simple. When you listen to The Frankie Boyer Show, you just never know what's going to happen next. So listen for yourself. Here is Frankie Boyer. And welcome. It is nice to have you with us right here on BizTalk Radio. It is Frankie Boyer. And so when life gets tough, wouldn't you just love to just get on a plane and fly away? Just take off. Well, that's exactly what Captain Young did. He is a vagabond pilot with us today, but the story has a little more detail. In 2019, when he lost his savings in his home due to his recently deceased brother's bad business dealings, that's exactly what he did, and he's written about it in his new book. It's called Vagabond Pilot, A Voyage of Discovery and Renewal, And it follows his journey from Santa Monica to Connecticut and back. And Captain Bob, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Good morning to you. Well, it's good morning, good afternoon, and wherever else people are listening from all over at different time zones. So we're thrilled you're with us. But tell us what happened. Well, in a nutshell, you said it right. Uh, I lost everything. And uh, it wasn't as uh, as uh, upbeat as you uh, presented it, um, but it, it was a very down and depressing time for me. I was beaten. I had been, uh, for, I, I still think I am, a very successful lawyer in Los Angeles for years. I was living the dream. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and all no, a lot of people can relate. Pulled out. From it was gone. Okay, so you had you were successful in your practice of law. You had your home. You had security. So you thought, and then all of it was ripped away from you. Yes, and so I decided, what can I do to rejuvenate myself? I was uh, taken in by some friends, but I realized I had to. I had to do something. And uh, one of the most comforting things to me as has been being a pilot. It's one of my passions. I feel very comfortable in my plane. And I decided, you know, I'm going to go across America. I did this uh, in 1972 when I had another uh, upset in from law school. That was a little more sim- simpler. A love just dumped me. So that was a little easier than what happened now at the end of my life. But uh, I realized I needed nourishment and needed to uh, find me again. And uh, off I went. 
Unbelievable. I have to ask you, how did you even, how were you able to even afford the gas? Fuel is Uh, so expensive. uh, I get Social Security. I had a little uh, stipend that the bankruptcy court uh, had awarded me. Uh, Okay. And I had enough uh, from uh, doing a little law and uh, work to keep, keep that tanks filled. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when, when did you make the decision that you were just going to take off and start flying across the country? And, and how did you plan your route? Was um, there rhyme or reason well, to it? It, it, it had been, uh, um, I, I was, I was, uh, I realized when, for me, uh, in, in order to be productive, I need to take action. And, and I was wallowing. I was, I was, as I said, I, 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 when you have success, you always think you're going to have it. And then when you hit some bumps in the road, it's, uh, it can get to you. So I was pretty down in the dumps, but I felt comfortable and safe in my plane. And it was something I could do. And, um, you've been a pilot I for a long time. Out. Obviously, okay. you've been Off a pilot. We're you go. were, you've been a pilot for a long time. Yes. So from Over May 28th to for 40 years. Okay. So from May 28th to September 16th, your voyage began. Right. And you asked how I, uh, Frankie, how I chose the route. I chose the Southern route because I didn't want to, my plane is a, is really a trainer. It's a two-seater, about the size of a wow. little sports car, an MG, yeah. if anybody remembers. Yeah, 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 I can. The TR-6, and, uh, well, now it'd be a So it's a tiny spot. plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And, you know, it, you just add some wings to that little car, and that's about as much food <laughs> as you have. It. it was used, as I said, for training. It wasn't really a cross-country machine. It had limitations in terms of its fuel. I only had three hours of fuel, and so I'd be stopping frequently. And um, I went the southern route to avoid the mountains because I had altitude limitations, and I didn't want to tangle with the Rockies. And I thought the southern route would be the easiest for me. So I went uh, south from Arizona across Texas and up the east coast. Yep. How fabulous. And you write about the friendship, the kindness that this country opened their hearts to you. And and you, in in exchange, changed as well. So give us a couple of those heart-wrenching stories, please. Uh, Thank you. Um, Well, one of the things that I I experienced, uh, and especially that I, I made a point to visit a lot of air museums, and I went to uh, NASA and saw NASA, and I went to the Wright Brothers Memorial at uh, Devil at uh, Kitty Hawk and, and other museums across. And and I saw I, I I bore witness to the amazing accomplishments the, of of our country. I I saw from an altitude down low uh, this vast expanse and how the country seemingly got formed you could just see but near the waterways and and how everything was laid out and 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 just the magnificence of the topography it it was awe-inspiring i mean i've driven cross-country twice by car but i was 
I was uh, lamenting that I wish everybody could just have this view to appreciate what we have. Oh, yeah. Because I was turning on the TV at night, and it was all this tumult and this conflict, and I experienced nothing like that. I experienced people across the country from uh, California, Arizona, every all the southern states I was in, nothing but compassionate, warm, loving, helpful Americans. And I've always experienced that. So the, the disconnect between what's on TV to make, you know, clicks and news, it, it was very upsetting to me um, because that's not who I see we are. Yes, we have our differences, but, you know, out of many, there's one. That's why it's e pluribus unum. And uh, it, it disturbed me. It disturbed the conversation still to this day disturbed me because we're much better than all of this. Yes. And uh, so I, I was just overwhelmed by the people, uh, the country. And and, uh, and uh, I think there's a, it's not a bad place, you know, and we should come from abundance and not scarcity when we look at ourselves and take each other's hands because uh, – you know, team does a lot better than there's no I in team. I guess it was. It is. So it was. Yeah, it was very yeah. impactful for me, and I hope it comes across in the book. Uh, oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. So here you are, homeless, losing everything, and you get on the plane, and you traverse this country. You flew from. The East Coast, and when where did you wind up with your little your little two seater well, airplane? I left Santa Monica, and uh, I, I uh, my route was Santa Monica, uh, uh, Tucson, Phoenix, uh, Roswell, because I wanted to check out the story of the aliens, being a space junkie that I am, and then I went on to yeah. uh, Dallas, Houston, where I wanted to see NASA. Uh, Louis, New, New Orleans, uh, up to uh, Wilmington, North Car- Carolina, Kitty Hawk, Norfolk, where I saw my sister in Virginia Beach, and then I finished in uh, Danbury, uh, Connecticut, where my friend had arranged for me to, she works for a fellow who owns a hangar there that I could put my plane there for the summer, and I spent a few weeks in New York, and then I decided I was going to uh, uh, complete the journey because uh, I, I had what happened uh, uh, en route to the east was. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we have to take a quick break. Myself we have to take a quick Right, we have to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment with pilot Robert J. Young. His new book is out. It's called Vagabond Pilot A Journey of Discovery and Beyond. And we will be back in just a moment. I'm Frankie Boyer. Stay tuned. This Talk Radio. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, any where with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus welcome back frankie boyer this talk radio i don't know about I don't know about you, but I can tell you right now, I don't know if I would do what Captain Bob did. He's joining us today. His new book is out. It's called Vagabond Pilot. And, Bob, you lost everything. And that unto itself is a story, which we at some point would love to have you back and talk about how to prevent losing everything. As a lawyer, I'd, I'd love your insights uh, as you look back, but you always loved flying. You had a little two-engine plane, a little tiny plane, the size of an MG. You you said to us, so we can picture that a little tiny two-seater. How did you deal with weather? How did you deal with just the the scary stuff that can happen in a plane? That is uh, inter- in, uh, a good. Good point. I, I am a uh, commercial. I have ratings of as a commercial pilot, uh, private pilot, then commercial pilot, then there's an air train. Oh, okay. Pilot, so I'm kind of in the middle. So, and I also am instrument rated. But I decided I wasn't fly. I wasn't going to push myself through weather. Um, and I didn't want to rush going. Coming back, I discovered I was dealing with the beast of uh, get home itis. <clears throat> and which put me in a in an experience I'll share, but uh, I, I uh, the weather was all new to me because in California the weather's always so good I've never experienced such right. uh, convective activity like thunderstorms every afternoon in the east. So I was flying in between clouds and and avoiding these thunderstorms. And and one of the greatest moments was when I broke through this wall of thunderstorms and big clouds right near Charleston where I had to land uh, uh, elsewhere for fuel um, because of that thunderstorm. Uh, And I saw the Atlantic Ocean. It was just a thrilling experience. Um, And I I dealt with the weather as best I could. I had to fly an instrument approach into Dallas uh, when I got uh, all socked in and uh, I had no way out. Um, 
The only uh, I did have one scary issue when I was coming back, and I was fighting uh, to get home on a certain time for appointments. And this is a real dread of a pi- of pilots get homeitis. Uh, I think it uh, did in John F. Kennedy Jr. as many others, and I inadvertently flew too high, and I started having the onset of hypoxia. Oh flying gosh. across uh, Arizona thinking I could get to Tucson and New Mexico and Arizona thinking I'd get to Tucson to beat a storm on my way home. And if it wasn't for an announcement that the airport I was going to was socked in because of uh, embedded thunderstorms, uh, I was uh, I, I would have been in deep trouble. So, um, wow. You deal with the weather, you learn, and you try to make the best experiences. And uh, it was uh, it was uh, very exciting. Uh, and sometimes uh, you feel like there's an angel on your shoulder watching over you. Out of the blue came this Sigmet warning from the controller I was with about those thunderstorms, and I had to divert. Otherwise, I would have been a statistic. So... Uh, that was an exciting moment, as was uh, yeah, I bet. That was, that was a bit, as was going to uh, the other real excitement was when I went, and I think every American should go. Who was interested in flying should go to the Wright Brothers uh, monument because it was fascinating. Oh, I bet Having those Wright Brothers. Buff, yeah, read every book about them. Yeah, yeah, those Wright Brothers. Uh, give us a, a quick history, Jesus. please, yeah. about them. Well, you know, in 1903, they discovered powered flight. They had been working at the science of flight for a long time. They were bicyclists, manufacturers in uh, in Dayton, Ohio. And they would lug this. They they were working on a a kite, actually, a plane that was like a kite to learn how to glider, to learn how to fly and tech and develop this concept of science is lift how a plane actually flies it's pretty pretty incredible if you watch the wings and when you're sitting on a plane and you see them flexing they're starting to actually lift the plane by the rush of air over and under the wings it's for you physics fans Bernoulli's principle but uh, it was just fascinating to to see what uh, at the monument in in Kitty Hawk what they what they did it's a great, great uh, presentation by the Parks yeah, Department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, on it the also... obelisk that was lit up in the, by the sun when I came in for the approach, it says genius. And that sums it up. They truly it does sum it up. Genius is a perfect word. Absolutely perfect word. This book is more than a book about flying, isn't it? Very much so. And uh, it, it's funny, when I went to write it, it uh, wasn't funny, but when I went to write it, I was writing it contemporaneously with the trip because I thought it'd be very good therapy for me to get out what was going on. Uh, I, I, and I, I know that's a technique like keeping a diary, and I, I managed to turn it into a book. And um, it was uh, a very difficult time. And so this way of being authentic with myself, doing what I love, pursuing a passion and finding myself through that uh, was, uh, for me, 
it really inspired me. And I hope that message comes through for many that we all hit hit the wall, bumps in the road, nothing, nobody's perfect. We're all frail creatures, uh, this species we are. And um, yes. you just got to be the pilot in yourself and get in your own plane and or however and keep, as my father said, keep getting to tomorrow because things are going to change. His saying was when he had a case, the judge would die because the judge died in a case. So he always would tell me that story, <laughs> which I relate. But, uh, you know, it's uh, life is a fascinating journey. And uh, now that I'm towards the end of it, it's like, wow, you know, it all works out. And uh, you just got to keep faith in yourself and keep moving forward. Absolutely. I think One day at a time. That's exactly yeah. right. Keep the so, old man get- away. Keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Keep moving. Tell us, tell us um, what what's life like for you today? Well, uh, excuse me. Certainly, the trip uh, got my, as I say, mojo back, and I renewed my confidence. And I am back working as a lawyer, rebuilding my life, uh, having some success, and and even though I am still without. Uh, uh, things, stuff, material stuff that I thought meant so much to me, the house, the pool, the, all this nonsense. Yeah, all of that. I've never been, yeah. I've never been happier. So go for Oh, I'm so, you know, I'm so happy you for know. you, Robert Young. Thank you so much well, for being with you, us Frank. today. The book is called and Vagabond. Thank you so much for Pilot. having me. And I hope everybody goes to Amazon and uh, can help out and, by Vagabond Pilot, a great Christmas gift to inspire us all. Absolutely. You, you've been inspirational, no doubt about it. Thanks for stopping by. We'll take a quick break and be back in just a moment. This is Frankie Boyer, Biz Talk Radio. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back. It is Frankie Boyer. Well, there isn't anybody that knows more about New Yorkers than our next guest. Sam Roberts is with us. Sam Roberts, you've had the most extraordinary career. A 50-year veteran of New York journalism. You did obits for a while. And, I mean, a correspondent at the New York Times. You host the New York Times close-up. And you've just had this extraordinary career, and now you've written about some of the people that you have worked with and and reporting with, 31 remarkable people over 400 years, and it is called, your new book is out, it's called The New 
Yorkers and a remarkable, 31 remarkable people. So welcome to the program. Frankie, thanks for having me. We're, how do you even pick? How do you get to pick who the, the, the uh, remarkable 31 people were? Well, that's very hard to do. I asked the demographer how many people probably have lived in New York since the first census was taken. And he came up with a figure, you know, a sort of guesstimate of a billion people. So obviously I had a pretty big pool to choose from. But what I was looking for were people who were transformative, people who were emblematic of some sort of transformation, uh, people who were quirky and interesting people in their own way, and people who, for the most part, readers had never heard of, uh, people who you would not find in an ordinary history book or a guidebook, and people who just would be intrinsically interesting. Uh, I write obituaries for the New York Times at the moment, and I just find them uh, fascinating. People say, why would you want to write about death? Well, I don't. Uh, death is one sentence in an obituary. The rest is about people's lives. And what I was looking to do, I had written books before about uh, material culture about New York, a history of New York and 101 objects, a history of New York and 27 buildings. And in The New Yorkers, what I was looking to do was write a biography of the city. And I landed on a, you know, totally subjective number of 31 people to come up with a biography of the city. And that's what I hope to do in The New Yorkers. So I have to ask you, who who are some of your top people? Can you share with us who made oh, the book? Sure, I'd be delighted to. Uh, these these are people who deserved recognition. Virtually none of them ever got an obituary in the New York Times. Uh, and they're fascinating. Uh, and they, for the most part, they are New Yorkers uh, by choice. Uh, E.B. White, the, uh, the New Yorker uh, columnist, said no one should come to New York to live unless he or she is willing to be lucky. And these people came to New York to live and made their luck. Uh, and it's a great quote. It's a lucky city because of this. Uh, yeah. We have people like uh, Andrew Green, who came from Massachusetts and became the father of greater New York. He was the man who united the five boroughs into what became greater New York. Uh, and he winds up getting shot in a mistaken identity case and murdered uh, in New York. Oh, my uh, gosh. You have a guy like, you know, like Charles. What year Dallas, was that? Wait a minute, Sam. Sam, what year was that? Yeah. What year? That what was, year did uh, Green get the killed? Beginning of the, uh, the, he did that in 1898. It became Greater New York, and the beginning of the 20th century winds up getting murdered uh, in front of his house on Park Avenue. Uh, and, and then you have another guy, uh, Charles Dowd. He was a philosophy professor uh, upstate, and he realizes that it's absolutely insane that. Every place in the United States where the sun is in the middle of the sky, that is how they define noon. And trains are crashing all over the place, and people are missing their trains because you can't come up with a, a regular schedule because nobody knows when noon is in different places. So he proposes standard time. 
and it begins at Grand Central Terminal in New York. And this guy, uh, a couple of decades later, again, the beginning of the 20th century, winds up getting killed by a train uh, because the oh train was trying to make up for last time. So, I mean, lost time. So these are stories that you just can't make up. Uh, they're fascinating stories about people, about people who made a difference, and yet people who we never heard of. Uh, Elizabeth Jennings, another story. This is a teacher who is trying to hail the Third Avenue trolley. She's late to play the organ in, in her church on the Lower East Side. And she hails the trolley, and she gets kicked off the trolley because she's a black woman. And she sues the trolley company. Uh, she hires a young lawyer whose name is Chester Arthur. He later becomes the president of the United States. And she wins her case in Brooklyn Supreme Court. And the judge says, wait a minute, you can't throw a person off a trolley, white, black, or any other color, when she's respectable, when she's well-dressed, when she's well-behaved. And this is 1851, a hundred years before Rosa Parks. Unbelievable. And heard of this woman. And no one ever uh, heard of her. We never heard of her. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, it's the kind of thing where I thought she deserved recognition. She deserves the kind of fame that she never got when she was alive or even when she was dead. And that's why I included her in this book, The New Yorkers. Wow, this is and nobody knows New York better than Sam Roberts. You 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 really how long Sam, how long did it take you to write this book? Well, Frank uh, Frankie, it took a couple of years of research and you know, I bet I am the kind of writer who likes to do research because it you know, it gives me an excuse not to have to write. Uh, I'm, I'm not that facile a writer. Uh, I love to do the research, and I rationalize it by saying the more research I do, the easier it's going to be to uh, write the book. Uh, and, uh, you know, the research is what took longest. And, you know, I delved right. into history books and old newspapers and all sorts of other things. And you find a reference, you know, one sentence in a thousand page history book to someone and you look to see if there was ever any follow-up if there ever was any obituary if there ever was any biography of any of these people and you find there was nothing and that's why i found that looking into these people trying to dig up the story of these i people still was just yeah so but i still can't I still can't figure out how you narrowed it down to 31. And is uh, the other question is, will there be another part two of the New Yorkers? Well, Frankie, that's up to my publisher. The reason it was narrowed down to 31 was my publisher said, hey, you got to stop somewhere. Uh, and, right. Uh, you know, the cost of paper and, and print and, uh, uh, you know, all of those things, the, the publisher said, look, you could only write so much. We could only print so much, uh, even though, of course, it's on Kindle as well. Uh, but, you know, there's easily enough for uh, more than another book. And Oh, absolutely. But you have it, to. I'll certainly write it. You have to tell us about Miss Manhattan, please. Miss Manhattan is one of my favorite of all. Oh, good. Audrey Munson. Audrey Munson was a sculptor's model. She was probably the most famous sculptor's model ever. She was known as the American Venus. 
And she posed for, among other things, the Statue of Civic Fame, which is atop the municipal building in Manhattan. It's the tallest statue in New York City, even taller than the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and she was also the, the uh, model for Miss Manhattan, which was a statue at the entrance to the Manhattan Bridge. And, and she was not only a sculptor's model, she figured in a love triangle murder case. She was the first American actress to appear nude in a motion picture, three of them, in fact. Uh, she was committed to a mental institution. She lived to be 104. She died in the 1990s. Uh, and this was a woman who was a sculptor's model in the 19-teens. And I figured, what better, you know, all-around figure to be Miss Manhattan than this person, Audrey Munson. Uh, and, and, you know, you again, you can't make stories like this up. Uh, and she had to be in this book. Uh, she had to be uh, one of the 31 remarkable people. Oh, she absolutely uh, had a, to be. Again, yes. Again, totally lost to history. And again, one of those people who never got a uh, obituary in the New York Times and surely deserved one. Oh, surely deserved one. We'll be back. We have to take a quick break. Sam Roberts of the New York Times is with us today. His new book is out. The New Yorkers, 31 Remarkable People, Over 400 Years, and the Untold Biography of the World's Greatest City. We'll be back in just a moment with Sam. I'm Frankie Boyer. This is BizTalk Radio. Welcome back. It is Frankie Boyer, Biz Talk Radio, talking to someone who absolutely lo- I don't think there's anybody that loves New York more than you, Sam Roberts. Sam Roberts well, I has been do. I'm a, a Brooklyn boy and still live in the city and do love it and learn something new about the city every day. Good for you. Good for you. You've been uh, doing obits, the New York Times. You've been a journalist for over 50 years covering New York and the new book is out, by the way, getting rave reviews. It's called The New Yorkers, 31 Remarkable People, 400 Years, and the Untold Biography of the World's Greatest City. And you know, Sam, all you have to do, if you even doubt the energy of New York City, is fly over the city on an airplane. And you can, you just, for me... I just go over the bridge and it's there's a, a tingle that happens, but just even flying over the city, it's it's truly remarkable. It is remarkable, and you know it's had it up has had its ups and downs. And one of the things I discovered in doing this book is the city's resilience. You know, we've looked at 9/11, we've looked at the pandemic, we've looked at other things that have happened to it. And the city is now at a record population. It has grown primarily in its history uh, because of immigrants. From the very first census in 1790, 
Uh, it uh, has been the largest city in the country. And one of the things I discovered in doing the book, and the only person in the book, the New Yorkers, who is probably well known is John Jay. But he's in this book for something that nobody knows about. Uh, John Jay, uh, uh, Congress wanted him to be the Secretary of State in 1785 when the Confederation Congress was still meeting in Trenton. And John Jay said, OK, look, I'll be the Secretary of State under one condition. You've got to move the capital of the United States from Trenton to my hometown in New York City. And New York City in 1785 was a disaster. It had suffered through seven years of brutal British occupation. It was called Canvas Town. It was a town of tents uh, made up because the city had basically burned down. And Congress agreed to move the, city, the capital of the United States to New York. It was there from 1785 to 1790. And as a result of that, the city was totally revitalized and became and still is the largest city in the country. And that was thanks to John Jay, and that's why he's in the book. And frankly, I'm a little bit of a contrarian here. In 1790, the city moved, the capital moved out, moved to Philadelphia, and then moved to that swamp in Washington. And I think that saved the city, too, <laughs> because it allowed New York to become the capital of capital. And I think that's why it thrived and continues to thrive today. I I have to ask you. Um, it it took a while, but it, it was so strange to see the city so quiet during COVID. It really was eerie. It was eerie, and uh, I think it's coming back. I think you know we will figure out a new way to use uh, some of that office space that remains vacant. Uh, but again, in in doing this book, the New Yorkers, I discovered there were other downtimes in the city's history. Again, in the revolution, the city, two-thirds of it were burned down. In the Civil War, there were the draft riots. In 1919, we had the flu epidemic. Uh, and again, of course, 9-11. Uh, so there were major things that happened to the city when people said, oh, you know, things are over for the city. After 9-11, people said, they're never going to build another skyscraper. And as you know, and, and people who have seen the city since then, we've had a boom in skyscrapers. Too many oh my gosh. people would say. Yes. So, uh, you know, people have, have expressed doom and gloom about the city before, and it keeps coming back. And one of the reasons it keeps coming back is, is immigrants who have said, this is the place to be. This is the place where I'm going to get a better life for myself and for my children. And it keeps happening, and they keep coming, and they keep coming because, as E.B. White does, they want to uh, live uh, because they are willing to be lucky for themselves and for their children. And they make their luck, and they make New York a luckier place. How many um, books have you written? Uh, I it, counted because I had to list them in the beginning of The New Yorkers, <laughs> and I think there are about yeah. 12 uh, again, oh my about the Rosenberg gosh. spy case about who we are as a country and, of course, uh, who we are as New York City, uh, history in 101 objects, and history in 27 buildings, and now the New Yorkers. You're, you're an institution is what you are. 
Uh, Mike Wallace writes, Sam Roberts has crafted 31 biographical essays, deeply researched and engagingly written that together constitute an excellent history of New York City. Well, that's a a nice compliment. Thomas Carlyle, the historian, said that uh, the history of of great people, the history of the world is but the biography of great men, and of course, great men and women. Uh, And of course, how do you quantify greatness? Uh, Is it uh, the legacy of, of the hero who led victorious armies over the Alps, or is it the poor Slav who invented the the spade or the shovel. Well, you know, greatness I think we can define in all sorts of different ways. And the people in this book are great uh, each in his or her own way. And I think that's what was so interesting in researching the book, that we could define greatness in in so many different ways. Um, Real quickly, tell us about the woman that created a legal dispute lasting centuries. Oh, my God, yes. It makes Bleak House by Charles Dickens look like a small claims court case. This was a woman who was deeded land 62 acres on the west side of Manhattan, Anna uh, Jans Bogardis, and her family fought against Trinity Church for the title to these 62 acres for 300 years. They challenged uh, Trinity Church over the title to this land, and some of the members of the family still fighting it. Uh, they were worked by a bunch of crooked lawyers who, uh, you know, claimed they were entitled to this land, which started off as just farmland and then became worth billions and billions of dollars. Uh, and they oh, yeah, this, yeah. Uh, this suit for well, listen, people, people can read all about her and everyone else that you've featured in the new book, The New Yorkers, Sam Roberts. What a special treat having you with us today. Thank you so much. Frankie, some, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And thank all of you. This has been another edition of the Frankie Boyer Show for Biz Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day, everybody. And as always, smile.